This is episode 33 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Welcome to episode 33 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today I have Michael Watch on the show. Michael is a real estate investor that started 10 years ago, but didn't realize that there were creative ways that you could come up with financing. So he was doing the old save up the down payment to buy the next property. Well, long story short, about 18 months ago, he started realizing that meetups and podcasts were a way to accelerate his learning and accelerate his investing. Since then, he's done multiple deals. Uh, He's bought a pre-construction. He's doing a duplex conversion right now. He's on a mission to grow his cash flow to the point where he's at roughly 55 to 60% of his current income so that if he wanted to, he'd be in a position where he could quit his job. So this is the classic financial independence move. And it's another very inspiring story by somebody who's actively out there learning. And he's also not afraid to mentor people where he's at. Uh, Michael is an accountant by trade and he's working a job that he likes and wants to continue working, but he's keeping his options open and he's setting himself up for the future so that he can continue to be a creative real estate investor. I'm not gonna spend too much time on this intro, but I do wanna ask you real quick, If you could please take a moment and review this episode if you have not already, subscribe to it if you did not already, and maybe tell a friend about it if you think the information here could help them too. Here is the episode with Michael Watch. Welcome to the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today I have Michael Watch. Is that all right? You got it. On the show. That's a a much more simple Polish name than some of the other ones I've uh, tried to pronounce. It is. There's no ski at the end. There's no ski (laughs) or a lot of other uh, syllables that I can't say. Um, Anyways, Michael, thank you for being on the show. Not a problem. Thanks for having me, Andrew. Well, it's uh, probably been a long time coming because uh, we've known each other for for quite a few months through the uh, meetup and now finally making this happen. So uh, it's good to uh, finally have you on. If you don't mind, would you just give the the elevator pitch as to what it is that you do as an investor and what you do for a profession as well. Sure. Um, for work, I'm, I, I have a full-time job. I'm an internal auditor. I, I started uh, many years ago in external audit. I've always been a numbers guy. I enjoy uh, spreadsheets, financial analysis, reviewing statements. So, so that's my day job. And in terms of real estate investing, we have been uh, long-term buy and hold investors for about 10 years now. Um, a couple of single family homes, a, a duplex that we're currently converting, and then another duplex in the works uh, sometime next year. Okay. So are, the conversion, is that a relatively new thing for you? It is. Yeah. Yeah. We've, um, we, we've kind of looked at the strategy that we've had for the first seven or eight years of our investing. Um, and we've changed it up a bit. We used to buy turnkey properties, really, uh, very little work if any needed and, and mostly for appreciation, just kind of mm-hmm. hold it, put in good tenants in a nice neighborhood. And, um, it, it that's what aligned with our lifestyle over, over time. And now we've kind of, uh, started focusing a little bit more on cash flow and on on the buy, mm-hmm. renovate, rent, refinance model that a lot of investors have been using. So that's the strategy that we're applying on this on this property. Okay, so the uh, why don't you just go back a little bit? You bought first one ten years ago. Did you take a little bit of a break, or were you kind of just sitting on that one and then decided to, to acquire more? Yeah, we um, it, it was actually a new build property in in Hamilton on the mountain. Um, 
we weren't planning on on buying it then um it was actually my wife's parents were in line at a at a, at a model home and they ended up um buying a property that day and so did we we were just planning on bringing them coffee but we saw the nice layouts and the nice designs we ended up buying that 10 years ago and then really we were just saving for that next down payment for close to six or seven years Mm -hmm. we didn't know about any of the strategies that investors are implementing these days where they're using other people's money or they're borrowing funds um we we just thought you had to save up for your 20 percent down and that's what we did yeah, what changed? Um, really? Uh, so what has changed recently in our well, strategy? What changed in your mindset? Where did your learning come? Uh, you obviously realize there's some strategies that you can use. Uh, where did that happen and how? Uh, I'd say about 18 months ago is, is really when uh, the best way I can describe it is just these blindfolds were taken off. I was introduced to the to the real estate agent that i that i work with still um within the rockstar real estate brokerage okay where he's he's almost like a coach or and a mentor as well that's the model that they use um they only work with real estate investors and that's when we started looking at properties together when we were hunting for a third property and 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 the whole network of investors and the and the strategies that they're using, not just buy and hold, but flipping and short-term rentals and renovating and refinancing and how you leverage money. These are things that I just never knew about before. So mm-hmm. I, I'd say having having my mind open to podcasts that were out there and the meetups that I, I was never interested in because no one around me was investing in in real estate uh no one no one in the family none of my friends we were really the only ones that owned the property uh during that time so i i i definitely say that was the biggest changing factor and um where do you live we're in hamilton you're in hamilton and you're investing is primarily in hamilton as well um so yes we we own that first one in in hamilton um, we've since purchased in St. Catharines and uh, in Welland most recently. Our upcoming purchase, which will be ready next year, is in St. Catharines again. We used to own another one in, in Hamilton, which kind of didn't align with our investing strategy anymore. So we sold that off a few months ago as a townhouse in Hamilton as well. Okay. And for your average house right now that's in your portfolio, you said you have four rentals in your portfolio right three, now? Three right now. And and it's it's a new build duplex in St. Catharines. That will be your fourth. So that's about okay. a year from being ready. Okay. And then what about the one that you said in Welland that you're converting? Is that that you're that's in the three yeah but it's not rented yet no no. so you're just about to start renovating that one yeah we just went through the process of uh, finding a contractor we have our drawings and our permits from the city ready and so it seems like i'm learning something every day when it Mm. comes to taking a single family home and and legally turning into two separate units yeah yeah this is one of the things that you had mentioned when we were kind of chatting last week I forget where Instagram mm-hmm. or something. Um, <laughs> and you'd mentioned that you were working on it and you had asked me for my suggestions as far as contractors go. I'm curious if you could sort of walk us through because it's interesting. You're going through this for the first time. It's fresh. There's so much that I forget about the first time sure. that I went through it. Um, what are some of the things that that have been learning experiences for you? What are some things you didn't expect? Some things that you did uh, walk me through it. 
Yeah, sure. Um, oh, I, and tell us what you're doing too. Yeah, <laughs> just duplex conversion, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a uh, it, it's a single family home in a nice neighborhood. Um, it's well into the city that we've heard a lot of good things about recently. So that's where we went for that for that purchase. Um, we knew that that we we wouldn't be able to do much of the work ourselves to date i have been able to do like cleanups and turnover between tenants for this one because it's such a big project we're looking for a general contractor so i i started by by reaching out to my network by speaking with my with my agent coach reaching out to probably 30 or so investors i just messaged a bunch of uh individuals on on facebook on instagram asking if they knew a general contractor in the well in the area somebody that they've worked with or that they know of that could put in a legal second suite and we also need to do some work in the in the upstairs unit and i i I describe it best as kind of an adventure (laughs) um i received we ended up getting uh four four quotes another verbal quote so four in writing some were very detailed or every Mm -hmm. every item the painting for the upstairs flooring for the downstairs um each of the um each of the kitchens, washrooms, everything was very detailed. Some of the other quotes were were one pagers. Like this is a pretty big project. We're mm-hmm. we're in the hundred thousand dollar range um, for this whole renovation. So um, that's what I that th- those are some of the things I saw. There was contractors that we were trying to set up meetings with, and you'd have a couple of good messages with them, a phone call, but then they never show up or they show up late. They just don't show up at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Um, there was there was a couple where i didn't get the quotes for for quite quite a bit of time like it was about two weeks um so so it was really a a wide variety of of experiences um i'd say there's probably three three contractors there that i felt really comfortable with i could have hired any one of them that showed up on time they were trying to save me money when i was showing them i had the drawings kind of rough drawings by then they were saying you could save 500 dollars here a thousand here if we do this differently or this though those are the guys that you know you feel pretty comfortable with um and, and also as i was getting responses and recommendations back from my network there was the same names that kept on being mentioned. Um, yeah. So so that also gives you some comfort. But then on the other hand, there was also a couple of contractors that I was being warned about to watch out, stay away from. So it, it really shows you that the network that we're part of in the mm-hmm. cities that we invest in, it really is a small world, right? Everybody knows everybody. We see each other at the same networking events, at the same meetups. We listen to each other on the podcast. So... If if you're in a transaction with somebody or you're doing a deal, you you don't want to you don't want to do anything under the table, no. right? No, the, the reputation does precede people, and this is one of the things. I have somebody that's been messaging me. He heard me on a different podcast, and uh, he's not a real estate investor yet, but he wants to renovate his home, and he's asking me these questions. And one of my comments back to him is, when you're getting these quotes you know, the price could make sense. There's probably a few guys that, like you said, price can make sense, but then you're looking at stuff. Well, did they show up on time? What's the reputation among the other investors that have worked with this person or encountered them? Are they on the don't hire list? The the non-existent one, because that's illegal. Um, But, uh, but uh, God, I wish it did exist. Um, You know, these are the things that you got to start start thinking about. And, and to me, a contract can be manipulated. Um, you know, like you said, a one pager. Like, what are what are all the things that aren't being said? 
it's not to say that you couldn't hire the guy that has a one-page contract, but it is sort of a bit of a minefield. Like it, it's what about extras? What about things that were outside of the scope? What about when you ask for something and and they didn't tell you? So that can work. I think it's sort of a recipe for disaster unless the person has a fantastic reputation and you talk to three people who were worked with him beforehand right. and they say you know what this is just the way this tends to go you know he's a simple guy this is how he operates but it gets done and you know he's very fair fair and honest well if that's the way it is then that could work out great yeah yeah so definitely a lot of lessons learned um the the network is very helpful when when i reached out with uh, with just yeah. a simple question many people went out of their way to to ask me if i wanted help reviewing any of their quotes if i if they wanted to to, to break down some some of the amounts so um definitely a lot of lessons that i can apply to the next renovation yeah. i actually love that i love um I love the idea of taking a look at other people's quotes just to see kind of what's out there, what's happening now, because it helps me. I add that to my little mental library of uh, yep. of you know pricing for for what things cost or what they are costing. Because in isolation, somebody might just not like your job and price you high, right? So it's good to see what other people are getting priced on That's other right. jobs. Um, okay, so have you chosen somebody to do your job yet? Yeah, yeah, we we did select a contractor. Um, a few days ago and and we, we feel pretty comfortable it's uh it, it the strategy aligns with our with our lifestyle right we really yeah. um want uh, a legal two-unit property in the estimated kind of three to three and a half month time frame okay. um i'm taking care of most of the work on the exterior of the house the landscaping kind of cleaning some of the bushes we might build a fence in the backyard to separate the two units because the backyard is mm -hmm. pretty wide um, but but in terms of selecting a contractor for the inside work, um, yeah, we, we we have a pretty good plan going forward. Do you uh, do you feel comfortable sharing the name, or you don't <laughs> want to share the name? Uh, yeah, I mean, I can I can do it. It's uh, it's Blackjack Contracting. He's Blackjack. Uh, yeah, they, they've done John? a few. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it, it, he's somebody that I've I've seen at the networking events yes. at, at the Right Club. I've seen him at your meetup before. Yep. I know uh, multiple other contractors that have used him. I walk through his properties both in person and also I've seen him on on social media doing his own walkthroughs of his renovation mm -hmm. projects. So all of those things along with with the price, like you still have to be competitive, sure. right? When when I put all that together. And um, that's what that's what let, lets me sleep at night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes the lowest price is not your best price because yeah. uh, I mean it's happened to me with uh, townhouses that I built. We had a, a guy and he was the lowest price, and other guys would have cost probably a buck, buck twenty uh, more per square foot. But I easily paid that in fixing the mistakes mm -hmm. that the guy made. So yeah, not always the lowest price. In fact, a lot of people say you should throw away your lowest quote. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that before too. Um, yeah, it, it, a few of these contractors were pretty close. Um, one of the one of the interesting th thoughts that I shared with the other investors is just how expensive renovations have gotten in, in general. I, I know when I was speaking to um, s some investors about a year, a year and a half ago, these th these rentals were like thirty, forty thousand less. It seems like yes. now we are doing quite a bit of work upstairs in this unit, so mm -hmm. that has to be incorporated as well. I did the demo on my own with a couple of helpers trying to save some money there. But uh, all in all, I, I guess the contractors are busy. If they if they 
um, create a nice product at the end, and that's able yeah. to get me my reappraisal value where I need it at, and I can pull out even all of that renovation cost and leave the down payment 20% in the property, I'm a happy camper. Yeah, what do you think, and that was my next question, is how do you think this is gonna turn out? I was wondering if we could walk through the numbers, and I know you don't have concrete anything yet, but you mm-hmm. do know roughly where you're gonna end up. You know what you paid for it. Yep, So yep. what was your purchase price on this place? Uh, it's 322,000. And what do you figure you'll be in for reno and carrying costs? Uh, it's gonna be around 120,000. We're not yeah. sure if we're, um, what we're going to do with appliances, if we're going to buy brand new or, or yeah. look for used, but I'd say 120 is uh, is a good estimate. How are you funding the renovations? Did you save up the money for it or are you uh, doing a purchase plus improvements with the bank? Some of it is is savings from the sale of our Hamilton townhouse okay. that, that we didn't want to keep anymore. And the rest will just be temporarily using lines of credit. Okay, so you've got you've got uh, available yeah. equity that you can pull a uh, pull out. Uh, in other words, by uh, by using your lines of credit. Yeah. Okay, so you're going to be in for about four forty two, based on the sounds of it. What do you figure your appraised value will be? It's it's kind of a wild card now. I've run my my various assumptions at four forty, four sixty, four eighty. I don't think we can hit five hundred on this one, but I, I mean in a who knows, maybe we will. But if we use anywhere between 460 and 470, I'd, I'd, I'd be happy with that. I know another investor sold um, a similar property in that area recently for 480. It was it was turnkey, yeah. it was renovated and legal. Sergio? I, maybe. <laughs> Sergio got called out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know if what other comps are out there. That's yeah. something I'll start working with my agent on yeah. maybe in a month or so to put that package for the appraiser together Yeah. Um, be, before the reappraisal. But but yeah. if, if we end up in that area and we and we can pull out the majority, if not all the rental costs, I think I'd yeah. be happy. So we you can obviously perform some sensitivity on it as as you did, but uh, if you have a 460 value and your purchase and improvements are uh, 442, uh, so if you get 80% of 460, that's 368, so then we can just go 442 minus uh, 368, so you're $74,000 invested. Yep. Okay. So... Now, here's where that could change, and I have my Excel sheet up here. So if we went to 470, how would that change? Well, that'd go down to 66,000 net mm-hmm. net investment after you get your refinance back. But uh, let's leave it at 460, so 74,000. And uh, what do you figure your cash flow will be? Um, the mortgage right now is a mortgage property taxes insurance um, it is about 1450. So after refinance, if we add in another 500 or so for that refinance amount mm-hmm. we'd be at 2000 let's say of costs per month and the numbers i've been seeing for upper and lower units are around 1700 and 1300 yeah so you'd so, be around 3000 on the building yeah so yeah. so the cash flow based on that might be around a thousand but if you average, if you allow some maintenance amount then maybe you bring that down to like 900 or yeah. 800 somewhere in yeah there. exactly yeah. Okay, so let's just say say nine hundred um, sure. is your cash flow. So equals twelve times nine hundred. So you're ten thousand eight hundred on uh, your cash flow per year. Mm-hmm. And then if we uh, figure your appreciation, we'll just say three percent in Welland because 
Let's That's, do it. You know, why not? So you're figuring a, a $460,000 value times 3%, which is going to work out to be one or 13,800. And then if we wanted to do a mortgage pay down, I know you, uh, you listen to my podcast, Michael, so you know, I do 3%. I, I enjoy the numbers. Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> I do 3%. It's not an exact science, but it is in it the works. ballpark. It's yeah. in the ballpark. Uh, so 3% pay down on your mortgage of 368,000 in this hypothetical, assuming everything works out the way you want it to. So your total return is component, uh, comprised of cash flow, appreciation and mortgage pay down. And, uh, we are going to see what that is. Have you already done this number, Michael? I, I've done it a few different, a few ways. different ways. I right? seem to end yeah. up around 30, 35% typically. Return? Yeah. yeah. That's not bad. That's not bad. Um, so I've got a total return of 35,600. So if we wanted to find your return on investment, we just take that number and we divide it by our uh, net investment, which is after your refi, which is the 74,000. So actually I'm seeing 48 even higher i i was yeah. probably a little bit more conservative with some of my estimates in there right well we said 900 on the cash flow if you wanted to be more conservative could you could say less. eight yeah. uh, so yeah. if you wanted to say 800 well how would that affect things so we could just quickly change that number and then that would bring you down to 46 percent. again uh, maybe you didn't factor three percent appreciation yeah <laughs> i mean not. it sure beats uh gic's mutual funds stocks yeah. and bonds <laughs> Yes, it definitely beats those that uh, <laughs> if you're getting 40 plus percent return on your investment, uh, you're you're doing well. That's right. And um, how do you see this fitting into your larger strategy? So this is one property. Mm-hmm. How do you see this fitting into the grand scheme of things for you? Because this you're going to be up to four properties pretty soon. Yep. And where is it that you're trying to go with it? Yeah, we're, we're at an interesting time. Um, I, I think once we stabilize in our portfolio, so with this renovation being complete, with the refinance done, and next summer closing on this turnkey duplex, we'll, we'll, we'll have those four properties. We'll know, we'll, we'll know what our cash flow is per month at that point. And then, and, and then we'll probably have to make a decision. Do we want to keep on buying these nice residential houses in nice neighborhoods, mm-hmm. putting in nice tenants, or or is it time to maybe think a little bit bigger, think into some three, four plexes, think into maybe some some apartment buildings, eight, 10, 12, yeah. 20 units, right? And that's when I would obviously need to partner with others. Um, but 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 it, it definitely opens up a lot of interesting options for us. Yeah. Right now, we're just focused on on really stabilizing and getting to a point where we're um, where there's less moving parts. Yeah, and I can I can appreciate that. I think there's a natural growth that needs to be taken with this. Like you start with single families, you go into a couple of duplex conversions, and then mm-hmm. you you maybe you look at a triplex, fourplex, and eightplex, and and kind of grow. And I think that that's the right way. I, it definitely to me seems like a a bad idea for somebody to go out having never bought anything and, and buy an eightplex. Not that they couldn't, but and it's not necessarily a bad idea, but it is one that will come with its headaches. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard from multiple investors that are more advanced, more seasoned that one of their, I, I don't know if regret is the right word, but one of the things that when they think back to earlier in their investing career, they, they wish that they would have scale to those larger properties sooner yes that that it always seemed like a very complicated and big transaction until you do one of them Mm -hmm. 
And then you think to yourself, wow, I could have been doing this for the last X number of years. You know what uh, has, has concerned me with it? And I've, oh, I've been wanting to do it real bad for a long time is for me, I've always borrowed private money when I've done stuff and it's mm-hmm. always been expensive. So, you know, call it 10% on average. Maybe it's nine, depends. Uh, it could be 15. And when you get into those kind of numbers and it takes time, then all of a sudden it starts adding up. So I'd, I'd factor renovations and especially looking at on-market deals and I'm scratching my head looking at them <laughs> saying, look, by the time I factor renovations and carrying costs, I mean, I'd be in a position where after all that said and done, I wouldn't be pulling all my money out. And maybe I wouldn't even be pulling half of it out. And, you know, depending on if it's a multi-million dollar deal, that might mean, you know, that might have a significant impact not being able to pull your money out. Um, and then there's all the variables, right? Like what if you have problem tenants, right? Cause my strategy is always looking at these and saying, okay, well, these tenants need to go and, and then I do my thing, renovate, make it look nice and then put new tenants in. Mm-hmm. And to me, all the moving parts of it, as you, you know, you mentioned moving parts before they have, have sort of stopped me from doing the larger scale, uh, buildings, like an individual building on its own sold vacant and I can put my own tenant in it it does have its perks, but it also is, is very slow progress. When you wrap your head around it, is that one of your concerns? And where do you, where do you, do you see that being a problem for you? Um, I, I, I think it's one of the question marks that I haven't kind of dug into deep enough. Mm. I, I feel like I, I've built that team, that power team for the current types of properties and investments that we yeah. are very comfortable with. I would probably need to tweak and adjust some of those individuals if I were to scale bigger. Yeah. Um, so, so I we've really just been focusing on 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 buying the best properties that we can thus far mm-hmm. and being the best landlords. So I, I've started kind of dropping hints to individuals and picking their brain, folks that I know are constantly looking at those six to twenty unit properties these days. But I haven't I haven't spent too much time on it so far. Okay, I actually have uh, a guy named Mark coming on later today. Um, hopefully he's uh, he's still coming and he's uh, he's doing some of the larger scale mm-hmm. uh, multifamily investing. So I'll be interested in picking his brain because like, you know what I don't know a lot of guys that are. I mean I know Carmen. I, I'm sure you've heard yep, her episode. Yep. Um, you know she does things at a massive scale, but she's got such a team behind her. Um, you know, seeing somebody a little bit more in that I just crossed in into this, you know, buying, you know, 10 plexes, you know, 20 plexes kind of territory is very interesting to me at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, since you, you know, it's very on point for our conversation today. Um, since you're doing this process of of getting a permit, so you bought the property, you got the permit. Um, there was a, a, many different things that happened in that process. Can you just walk us through what it looks like? So this will be particularly of interest for anyone who lives in Ontario, anyone who lives across Canada, really, because the, the process will be similar. And even some of our friends in the U.S., uh, depending on your municipality, it should be a similar procedure. Um, so could you just walk us through? So you, you found a property, wrote the offer. How did you know it was something you could convert? Hey guys, let's just pause the episode for a second and hear from our sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by the Real Estate Growth Summit, hosted in Toronto, Ontario at the Pearson Convention Center on November's 11th and 12th. I have Dylan here to talk to you about the things that you're going to learn at the Real Estate Growth Summit. Dylan, take it away. Thanks, Andrew. Really excited to be sponsors of your podcast. 
This event is for listeners like you that want to take your real estate sales or real estate investing business to the next level and to replace your active income with passive income through learning and implementing the systems and processes used by the best in the industry. Be prepared to walk away with some tangible tools and an action plan that I have personally used to become a top performer in the industry in just under three years. To get your tickets before prices go up, visit www.realestategrowthsummit.ca. And for being loyal listeners of Andrew's podcast, there's a special discount code just for you. All you have to do is enter Andrew REI as the promo code at checkout to save $50 off admission. The only way you're ever going to reach your massive goals is to take massive action. So go get your tickets today and we'll see you at the event. Okay, let's get back to the episode. So um, it, it was, I, I was really relying on the, on the professionals around me, starting with my real estate agent. We're at the point now where when we walk into one of these bungalows, whether it's Hamilton, St. Catharines, Welland, Niagara Falls, Brantford even, you know, based on the ceiling height and a separate mm-hmm. entrance already being there, um, that, uh, that it can be, uh, turned into, uh, that you can put a legal second suite in the basement. Parking is also another big one. So a lot mm-hmm. of these driveways are already two cars wide, which is what you need. We're, we're typically shopping in, in the suburbs. We're not looking in downtowns where there might be the, the need for a minor variance. We've never yeah. had to do that. So in this case, we walked through this property. It was one of many. The price was right. We knew that there was other investors that might jump on it. So we quickly put in an offer, tied it up. It was actually tenanted. So we, the strategy we used is we, we tried with that first offer to ask for vacant possession. We gave a long closing three months, knowing that the owners might not accept that offer. They did. So then the onus was on them to have those tenants leave the property before closing. So about two, two and a half months went by and and we found out that the Mm -hmm. tenants were gone. The house was empty. So that was a big plus for us. We we wouldn't have purchased it if we couldn't get vacant possession. Um, And then a couple of weeks before closing, we started getting um, our contractors in for quotes and we started getting both my agent, who who's actually very gifted at designing and, and laying out a plan. He's done multiple really? conversions before. He was amazing. Along with the home inspector, who's his guy that he uses. He's a BCIN. He knows the city. He used to work mm. for the city. So th- those two guys combined, I really leveraged their their expertise in fitting in three basements, a washroom, a stackable washer dryer, um, a, a nice kitchen into that basement. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then and the upstairs we also redesigned a little bit of that of that kitchen. So so we actually applied for the permit probably on the first or second day that I closed, and 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 it was unbelievable. Like the the city was great. They. I think it was six or seven days later, we had a permit in hand. So that's as, quick. Yeah. as I was getting, it, it is quick. I, I know it usually takes a couple of weeks. And, and so I had received a few quotes based on the kind of draft drawings. Mm-hmm. And the last few quotes came in with the right. final drawings. Okay. So now to get the, the permit drawings, did the same uh, building inspector that, that you said is a BCIN, which is a building code identification uh, number, which just means they're allowed to submit drawings for permit. Mm-hmm. Uh, did that person do your drawings or you had somebody else do them? He, he did the drawings. He did yeah. So he inspected the building and did the drawings. That's yeah. handy. So when they come out, they you know tell you what the condition is. They know everything that's in there and they design around it. Uh, that sounds like a great contact. Yep. And on that note, I would definitely say like when you're getting your drawings done, 
if you're doing basement conversions, find somebody that's done many of them because that's where the creativity, they, they know all the hurdles and the problems you run into and they're not learning on your project. They already know, like everyone's learning, but you don't want them learning like from zero on, uh, on the, on your project. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I owe both of those guys, my, my agent coach and the, and the inspector, yeah. I, I owe them a lot of favors because they really kind of not only helped me learn a lot, but they, but they kind of carried me on this one, right? They, I just had to pick which layout I preferred. We thought of yeah. two bedrooms at first. We thought of fitting two washrooms in that basement. And then we decided we had some issues with the support pillars. They, they're the big yeah. wide ones. We thought of swapping them out for the metal beams, but in then we just yeah. we we decided on on the three bedrooms, and it might actually be um, a, a suite that we consider even for an Airbnb in the future. It has its own separate yeah. entrance. If we split that backyard and the upper level tenants, I, I've heard mm -hmm. of some investors use their upper level tenants to do some of the cleaning and some of the yeah. work when there's an, an an Airbnb unit in the property. You could probably entice them quite easily That's and say, right. hey, kick back on your <laughs> rent, do a help me out. Yeah, absolutely, because they're there, right? Yeah. It, they, why wouldn't they, um, I mean, assuming they have the time, yeah. why wouldn't they be open to it? That's right. Yeah, it just seems like a, a great investment to own, especially if you're getting ROIs in that territory. Uh, but I love how you're, you're talking about working with professionals. And I, I learned this with, uh, with mortgage people, um, you know, coming from being in the mortgage business, I, I would acknowledge my, uh, you know, what I can do and what I can't and what I don't have, you know, what I'm not the best person to do. And I, I found guys that could do student rental financing when I wasn't able to get it done through my channels. So going, talking to other investors, say, Hey, who's doing that deal? I went so far as to call people who had bought houses comparable to the ones I was trying to finance saying, Hey, who did your financing? <laughs> Andy, man, like who, who sold that to you? Who, who's doing financing for you? It's, you know, networking is everything. It, it, it really is, Andrew. Like I said, those first six, seven, eight years of our investing, I was a lone wolf. I was mm -hmm. doing everything on my own. We had a, a very nice real estate agent, very nice broker. But that team to serve me as a real estate investor, it just wasn't in place. And everything has shifted 180 yeah. degrees since we since we kind of started surrounding ourselves with the right individuals. Yeah. This is the unfortunate thing. Your your aunt or uncle who's the realtor or your you know aunt or uncle who's the mortgage broker or what have you uh, can be perfectly nice, but could hold you back like an anchor. Yeah, um, yep. you know, if 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 you're trying to progress as an investor, you got to work with the people who are doing it right where you are right now. That, that's, that's right. There's no replacement for that. So I'm taking my own advice now. I'm like, I've only been going to my meetup. I need to be going to every meetup that I can I can possibly uh, go to. So yeah, it's it's yeah. not always easy with a full time job and 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 yeah. family, and you need to find time for for yourself as well to to attend those those evening and those weekend yeah. events but but in terms of value it comes back in spades yeah in 12 hours to edit this podcast episode and <laughs> <laughs> the other five it's, it's worth right it <laughs> it is it is honestly i i love the the creation part of the podcasts uh the work side of it is uh is challenging but uh, for those listening, you can thank me by uh, writing me a review and uh, subscribing to the uh, podcast. <laughs> I'll throw that little plug in there. Um, yeah, so it's, it's definitely, but it's part of it, right? Because now when I go to a networking event, it's a little easier for me to start a conversation. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of people yep. have, I, you know, know somebody listening to the podcast and it kind of, it, it, um, it breaks the ice pretty, pretty well, which I yeah. definitely like because 
believe it or not, I know I talk a lot. Um, I think in those settings, I, I have been a little bit introverted typically. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to, to kind of break that ice and just get the conversation rolling. Yeah. yeah and what yeah. it's also allowed me, which I really like, I, I, I've always been a quiet and shy individual, but attending these events and, and, and also posting more on social media, mm-hmm. letting family or friends know what I'm doing. I, I really started enjoying mentoring others. Like I, mm-hmm. I have young investors that don't own any properties or they're just buying their own or they're starting to scale. And they're now reaching out to me and, and I love providing advice, like connecting. Yeah. I, I, I just met this weekend at the Welland property. Um, I was doing the demo and there was an investor through Instagram Saw that. That, that reached out to me, came with his work shoes and his gloves. He actually helped us throw stuff into the bin while we were talking strategy. He was telling me about an off-market deal that he's about to put an offer in second offer, Mm -hmm. giving me the the, the comps that he had pulled. So so we were learning from each other, helping each other out. And and all of that starts with the fact that we are out there networking. We're all talking to each other. Everyone knows um, what, what, what the other people are doing in terms of projects. It helps, right? I mean, there are certainly people out there who don't want other people to know what they're doing because they're like, oh, when you know, you take away my opportunity, which there is some truth to that. But I think it's it's not uh, one plus one equals two when you get two bright minded people who are problem solvers together. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's it's one plus one equals like a million Um, versus, yeah, you might open your you might show your hand, so to speak, of what you're doing right now. But then the merging of ideas that comes from from talking can sometimes just you know all of a sudden you're buying a 10 unit building when you wouldn't have otherwise that's right and then you grow astronomically so i'm all about that but i know not everybody is which they're probably not the ones coming to the meetup anyway so yep. that's okay yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um what would you say you know not everybody has the time and i know i get a lot of the requests for my time you know through insta and facebook and it's not that i don't want to help everyone out i I, my typical response is you know i'll do what i can through the messages the coffee meetups are pretty tough to do uh with everything i've got going on but for people who are getting started and they want to learn like what would you suggest to them would be the best way to avoid making the mistakes themselves would you say just get out to the events or is there something more they can do beyond that so I, I can I can speak to exactly what I did. For me, it started with podcasts. Yeah. There was there was three or four podcasts, and it was only eighteen months ago that I started listening to. And after each one, I would jot down the name of the investor. I'd reach out to them on Facebook or just add them as a mm-hmm. friend. I, I I'd visit their website. Um, so, so it started with podcasts. That it's a free resource. I had a commute of forty five minutes each way anyway, so I was able to eat through a lot very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then little by little, I learned of these of these clubs of these networking events that exist right i i i attend the the rockstar ones i'm a member there Mm -hmm. i i go to the right club i've been to a couple of matt mckeever's events right so there there's just so many these days these things weren't around 10 years ago when i was getting started those are all free resources mostly that you can attend um and then and then also if you're if you're a newbie investor really starting by by trying to find that that real estate agent that's an investor themselves 
that 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 was the like if i had to think about the tip of the iceberg that was yeah. it for me that one individual opened up their whole network to me showed me the systems that they have in place whether it's um listing the finding the property listing the property for rent doing the open houses and the showings how you make tenants sign in how you do the credit checks i thought i was an expert in those things yeah i, I knew nothing until i was walked through filling that 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 first property that we bought with them and then also maintenance that was always like something that it yeah. just it, it irks me when i would get that text from a tenant luckily we had pretty good turnkey properties for those beginning yeah. years but now as we evolve and we'll have multiple families living living in in one property there there's a higher probability that, that you will get um complaints or requests for work we're not buying brand new houses anymore yeah. so so just the way we, we were at a showing once we were looking at properties and he gets a text from a one of his tenants of his multiple properties that that the furnace stopped working and and he, he literally texted the the tenant to call his hvac guy because he knows the hvac guy can check yeah. it out that day the next day and just send him the bill like these were things being brought up by my dad we'd never pay for contractors you try yeah. to do everything on your own and that's what i try to do on my properties but it just being being exposed to these systems and these best practices was just priceless so yeah. that's that that's some of the kind of key advice that i would give Right. And just on that note, uh, so I do the same thing. I actually send out an email. So it's mostly student rentals in my portfolio. So I send out an email and I'm due to send it out because the students are moving in right now as we speak. Um, <laughs> this is what you do when this happens. You know, here's the uh, company that handles my plumbing and HVAC if something happens. You know, Perfect. they have a 24 hour emergency line. Something happens in the middle of the night. You don't call me, you call, you call them. And especially, you know, flooding this, but I give them examples. Like if this happens, you send me an email, yeah. <laughs> standard maintenance, send me an email. I'll make the decision. Emergency, you call these guys. Mm -hmm. And, um, that procedure has helped. I'll get texts and I'll just redirect them to email me. You know, some of them don't, you know, so I just try and condition that, that pattern because if I get emails, it's traceable. I can, I can look back and see uh who's emailed me and what and then it helps me to keep organized so yeah like you said all systems yeah when you're at at one property or two and they're close to home you could get away with mm -hmm. um doing a lot of that maintenance on your own but as you continue to grow and scale it's important to have those those systems in place and the contractors on call um what really helped me um be more comfortable is i i just started putting a rolodex of contractors together just writing them down mm -hmm. from these podcasts when i go to a networking event and i hear of a good one one of the perks of the of the rockstar membership is this facebook group where we're exchanging contractors non-stop i'm writing those down every time yeah. and and if i need to make a change or or i need to kind of reassess who i'm using whether it's professional or or a contractor i just go back to that that rolodex and so one of those key fears earlier in my investing career was what do i do when there's a plumbing issue an electrical issue that's how i kind of got over that hurdle yeah it helps if you just got somebody that you know a million of your peers trust and like yeah. oh that's a that's a real relief you know they're, they're professionals they'll take care of things mm -hmm. and yeah it's going to cost more than doing it yourself but your mental sanity is pretty critical if you want to keep growing it's worth it <laughs> yeah you're not going to be able to do it otherwise but uh if uh just on the topic of, of of mentorship and i know you're you're helping to mentor people and you mentioned the guy came over he was kind of a value add because you're you're both on the same page 
but for people who don't really have a value add, but they're wanting, they're seeking mentorship, how would you recommend they, they approach it? Um, it, I, I've been open to, to when I'm in the car, having phone calls with a couple of these okay. investors. So, so we can brainstorm all you want for 45 minutes. These are driving I, anyway. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm there anyways. Right. Yeah. That, that, that's usually the time of day when I try to make most of my calls so sure. that when I get home, I'm not, I'm not too, too tied up with, with the real estate uh, stuff. Um, I, I think that would be uh, that that would be the the main way. If you see somebody that's a step or two ahead of you, that where you want to get to, those are the types of people to reach out to. Um, mm-hmm. I, ideally, you could even offer up something in return if you have mm-hmm. time, and they don't have time, like a busy yeah. real estate investor. Maybe you could offer to drive them around one day when when they're looking at properties pick their brain or or go go on a property tour those are yeah. very easy and expensive more of these real estate investors are, are now holding property tours you could spend three hours on a saturday morning yeah. looking at five different houses talk is seeing contractors there other investors mm-hmm. other agents so those are just a couple of ways that you could easily pick up a lot of info or or just message these investors and 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 ask them specific questions a lot of um a lot of folks in this community are, are so giving and so helpful so yeah. because i've had some awesome mentors i i'm i'm more than willing to give back yeah. And I, I feel the same. I, again, it all just comes down to time. You know, the, yeah. the, the coffee meetups are tough to do. Uh, but I, I have one person that reached out to me and he, uh, he wants to help with the development. So, uh, he's been putting in a couple hours a week, uh, helping me with stuff with the development. Now, granted, that's a little tricky because I have to do a lot of teaching in, uh, in assigning the, the, uh, tasks, but, uh, you know, still a very worthwhile concept and a very worthwhile thing for me to explore. Mm-hmm. And, and see, okay, how can we work together to, you know, you learn and, and help me with what I'm doing too. And um, so on that note, people who uh, are really good with video and audio, audio editing <laughs> and also want to learn about real estate, uh, hit me up uh, because there might just be a fit. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Get my plug in there. Um, okay. So do you have a goal that you've set? as like are you trying to acquire cash flow for retirement are you trying to uh, hit a net worth goal uh what is it for you that's that's sent you down this path Mm -hmm. um i i enjoy my my full-time job i really do um but as we've as we've seen the kind of fruits of the labor of those early years of being in the market like it's all about buying and waiting right that's what those those first two properties have allowed us to do now where where we can we can start looking at cash flow more so um my goal is is eventually to replace as much of my take-home pay as i can every month Mm -hmm. um if i if i'm anywhere at 40 50 60 percent of that monthly take-home pay that's i'm in the range where i could i could consider leaving that job right so that could if that's in in two years or five years or or in 10 years i i don't think i'll be there forever um even though it's a great great place to work um um that that that's my goal so until we kind of stabilize i won't Mm -hmm. know exactly where i am but um if I'm if I'm at fifty percent of my take home pay just from 
cash flow each month from a couple of properties. Yeah. And I have entire days to focus on real estate to attract JV money to, yeah. to maybe do wholesaling. I would love to knock on doors or have people for me knocking on doors, right? right? Getting into yes. some of these other strategies that I've just really come across in the last year or so. Um, I, I'm sure I could more than make up that that difference in pay. So in terms of a goal, it's not a specific monetary amount, but it's knowing that that you have that that stable portfolio that's bringing you 50, 60 percent of your of my current wage. Yeah. Yeah. So something that could support your family, allow you the free time, and then anything you earn on top of that is really gravy. Yep. Yeah. And uh, it allows you to be creative. And this goes back to just you know, being able to make up every day as you choose, right? That's right. Real estate's fun. Uh, not everybody would agree, but uh, <laughs> it can be. Uh, I mean, I, uh, I said this on my last podcast, but I just like, I love going and touring properties. To me, that's fun. I can do that all day long and analyze them, look at them structurally, say which ones are good, which ones are bad, you know, which ones I wouldn't want to deal with and um, just kind of picture what I could do and what I could turn it into. I always liked creating something. Mm-hmm. I don't know if everyone shares that, but... <laughs> Um, you know, may, do you have fun with this? Like the duplex conversion process? Are you looking I, forward to it? I do. I, I enjoy like, like I, I've become passionate about real estate. Um, whereas earlier on, we were trying to do everything to avoid um, having real estate affect our life in any way. We were yeah. just buying, putting in tenants and hoping that we never heard from them. We weren't planning on buying a second yeah. property, a third one. Things just happen, right? Yeah. Um, but now, now I enjoy every part of it. I I wish I could be on site every single day, doing some other work myself, bringing in trades, looking for 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 more properties, trying to set up creative deals, right? I, an interesting thing that I've heard multiple times from investors that have left their full time jobs is is one of the key differences is the the free time that they then have in their days allows them to be so much more creative. Because they have, they're they're not constrained with driving to work, coming back from work, busy yeah. family life, and then you're you're trying to do this side hustle at the same time. Yeah. Um, it it really lets you think, right? Yeah, Matt McKeever is an excellent example yeah. of that. Matt, uh, I you know he wouldn't show his hand as to exactly what his monthly cash flow is, but uh, <laughs> it's enough, um, as he said. And uh, so he's got his full-time camera guy that, and it covers that. Yeah. And then he's got, uh, you know, he's got his rent that he pays where he lives. And um, basically he's free to pursue things like, you know, developing a property management software. Mm-hmm. And yes, there are things that are going to consume his time, but they're his own projects. They're things that that tweak his interest. And that, I think, is what it's really about, right? Like, what would you like to work on today? What would you like to, to make your mission for the next few months? And then when that one's done, what's next? That's right. And uh, to me, you know, part of me, that's what I do like about real estate projects and, you know, like renovating this and then you tenant it and then you move on to the next one. And or you, you know, I, I do some construction as well, some building for other people and you know, there's a certain amount of, hey, this is fun, you know, get to make this one and then I get to move on. Uh, so I can definitely relate there. And I think that that's that's where it comes down to. Right. Just mm-hmm. being able to keep it fresh. And um, yeah, so Matt, I think he was on episode. Twenty four, if I'm not mistaken, if anyone wants to check that one out, I'm getting, there's getting to be a few of them now. So, yeah, yeah you're thing. getting up there. Yeah. Um, just a just a final thought on that. It's um, it, it, it's 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 forced me to be more efficient, having having a full time job and trying to build build the real estate portfolio on the side. I've I've 
cut out as many things um, as I could that I was doing before that wasn't really mm-hmm. pushing the goals that we have forward. Um, so, so I mean, until I can do this every day, all day, it, it really does force me to focus just okay. on the on the highest value add activities. Couldn't agree more. Uh, think about think about what somebody would pay you to do what you're doing, right? Like. Mm-hmm. Could you hire somebody to do that for fifteen dollars? Because then that's all it's worth, right? Yeah. Whereas if you're doing something that you know it's negotiating a deal and it's going to make you fifty thousand dollars, well, that's a well paid and an hourly that that pays really well. You should probably do that one, right? What are you worth, right? Are you a thousand an hour? Are you five thousand an hour? Or are you fifteen an hour, right? Like where do you want to be and and where are you? I guess, mm-hmm. and then you can set goals around that, right? So cut out the activities that you could find somebody uh, at a very low cost to do. Um, Okay, AKA me in video editing. Uh, that's the next <laughs> step, right? I gotta just gotta release uh, release that uh, that grip I've got on that, but uh, it'll happen. For now, we'll uh, we'll keep crushing it out, and then uh, and that'll be in the uh, the future plans to get a little assistance with this. But uh, anyways, Michael, before we wrap up, is there anything you would want our audience to know, or a thought, or an anecdote you'd like to share? Um, I. I, I would say, especially for, for younger investors, folks that are j- just getting started out, one of the um, key pieces of, of advice that has stuck with me is, is don't compare yourself to other investors out there. Don't get anxious when you see somebody that either bought a property when they were really young or multiple properties or they now own 10, 20 units or they're buying big buildings. Go at your own pace. If you're if you're interested in, in real real estate investing, um, take your time, do your research, learn, surround yourself with the with the right people, and then things mm-hmm. will work out. Um, don't you you don't know how many hours that person's working, um, if they're if they're happy, if they're stressed out, how their personal li- life is. You might see them on social media and everything looks great, but but it might not be exactly the, the way things are, right? I, I found myself getting a little bit anxious probably a year ago as I uncovered this whole investing circle. But then I as I as I watched other investors and and i reached out to to some of them that was a message that a few of them shared with me that i just wanted to pass on go at your own pace things will work out it might take you longer you might not get as many properties as fast but Mm -hmm. just the fact that you're thinking about buying a good asset that is in your portfolio for the rest of your life and in 25 years a tenant has paid that mortgage off for you you're going to be further ahead than probably the majority of Canadians. Yeah, just just by being patient and don't do anything. Don't sell, just hang on to it, right? Just, just no matter what it. happens, hang yep. on to it. If you can, you know, if that was in your plan, right? If you're flipping, then I guess you got to sell some. But yeah, um, yeah well said, I, I, I like that. Uh, and just for the record, so you, you said you're an accountant, correct? Yeah. Okay, you work for a firm doing uh, corporate and, and personal? Yeah, I'm a, I, I'm a CPC by trade. I, I do personal tax returns in my spare time okay. every every April, May, June. Um, and and I, yeah, I work I work for the for the provincial government and internal audit currently. Yeah. Oh, okay. Very nice. All right. So uh, Michael, if people wanted to connect with you, what is the best way for them to do so? They can find me on Instagram under Watch Properties, W-A-C-H Properties, all one word. Okay. And also on Facebook under my name, Michael Watch. And it's Michael without the E, last name W-A-C-H. Okay, so I believe I have you on both. So I'll just uh, <laughs> grab those and I will put them in the description uh, along with my contact details if anyone wants to reach out to me. 
And uh, all right. Well, thanks a lot, Michael. I really appreciate you coming on. No problem. Thanks for having me, Andrew. Okay. We'll see you on the next one. See ya.